7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. Hi, this is Felice, and I'd like to welcome our listeners back. We really got a good show today. Who we have today is Nan Stewart. She's Executive Director of Lutheran Social Services of Kensington Place. We wanted to know what it's like or some of the things that in looking for a facility for one of our loved ones to go to, what are some of the things that you have to go through, but also to with COVID being very rampant right now. And I know that everyone's heard a lot of talk about there's a high risk in senior living facilities and people were dying. So we just felt it was great in order to address this issue. And Nan has graciously agreed to come on and talk with us about this today. So I like to say hello to Nan. Hello. Thank you for having me. My co-host today happened to be Mr. Ernest Kelly. Hi, Ernie. Hi, Nan. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. And we have with us also Miss Stephanie Thomas. Hello, Steph. Hello. Good to be on. Now, I would like for you to give a little background to our listeners about yourself and how you ended up the executive director of Kensington Place and that about the facility. Well, I've been in the senior living industry for 37 years. I've always worked in assisted living, memory care, and independent living, so I'm very comfortable um, working with seniors. That's finally belong. I've been in this industry in the United States and in Canada, and so it's very similar. A senior is a senior is a senior. I came to Columbus in uh, 2004, and that's where I continued my long-term care assisted living career. I've worked with a couple of the larger companies. I've worked with smaller companies, and again, um, the senior needs are very much the same. It's the, the missions of the company and their, their personal missions and core values that I think put them apart from each other. I uh, came to Kensington Place. It'll be a year in December, and I was looking at maybe changing, just um, been doing this for a long time, changing maybe the company I work with, and I am very fortunate to work with a nonprofit company whose um, mission is certainly the care and the needs of our seniors and the commitment to those seniors and their families, and it's, it's such a, um, a blanket of who that covers and, and staff and such. Kensington um, was built in um, 1993. It was um, part of the a property of Lutheran Village of Columbus, and Lutheran Village was a rehab and skilled nursing, and Kensington Place and that rehab building was called Lutheran Senior City. That other building was sold a number of years ago, and therefore Kensington Place chose to then go from more than independent living into the assisted living and memory care in the industry. It has been with Lutheran Social Services um, in Columbus for over 100 years, uh, wow. serving multiple, multiple people and uh, serving adults in the extension of its mission services. And so when Kensington was built, there was a need in, in the market for the community where seniors could, you know, enjoy their retirement years. That's back in 1993 without having to deal with, you know, the two-story homes, um, any of the maintenance of the house and the property upkeep and um, just the, the daily chores that go with a house and, and its property. And, and so that, um, at one point, a longtime resident called it the cruise ship style of living, just fun and carefree and yet, you know, with the catering needs of our older adults were met. And, and we continue to be that way, uh, Lutheran Social Services. Our building now has independent living, 
still, people who've lived there for over 15 years, we have assisted living and we have memory care, a small memory care unit, so that we want that continuum of care in our building and that this is their home when they move in until their last breath is taken. Nan, what would be the ideal characteristics for someone as a candidate for living in a senior assisted living? Wow. That, well, you know, it depends on what level of care. Because we have independent living, it could be someone who just doesn't want to do housework anymore, who wants that catered lifestyle. They want to have three meals a day. They want to have the celebrations. They want to, you know, be active in the activities and, and all the clubs within the community. Uh, and they are a social person, and, and it's right there. Or it's someone who their health is starting maybe to fail. They're not feeling as secure in their own home. They might have had a fall, and they're wanting someone at the end of that call bell, in case I fall, that security. And that brings We're just people outside to of back our door. 1,001 part-time. You have one fall in your home, and, and that certainly changes how you look upon your world. So you have a village. So it's almost like a, a stepping tier. You have... For the independents, you have where it could be like condos or apartments? No, it's all one building. It's four stories. Oh, okay. It's all one building, which was built okay. as condos um, originally in 1993. And, and the apartments are extremely large and up to three bedrooms, which is very unusual in, in any of the newer builds that they're such large apartments. And they're fully uh, functions in them. So, you know, people are still able to still cook if they want to or go to our, our dining room if they want to have their meals. We have three meals a day. Yeah. So um, my question is, you know, for someone that's interested that may be listening or for someone that may have a family member um, that's just looking for the right place, I just wanted to know what's, what's like a day like in Kensington, what like what sort of activities are um, offered? What is I know I'm sure it depends on each each, each pay, uh, person, but what's kind of like a day in the life of? In <laughs> oh, your right, it does change with the people. Um, our residents can be as active as they wish and want to. We have a, a a calendar that goes out monthly. We have a newsletter that goes out weekly to make sure that people know what's what's happening in the community. Um, our activities are based on. Um, the social, physical, spiritual, educational, and purposeful um, activities. So we want, you know, people are not going to go to every activity there is, but they will pick and choose what delights them and what they want to be part of and just the, the socialization of that. And beyond even what we post, there are so many resident-driven groups within the community, and, and which makes it so special. Um, there's food committees. There's a landscaping committee of ladies that have just the gardens that they develop are unbelievable. Um, I'm sure they enjoy they just, that. <laughs> they do. And, and, you know, they just open up a butterfly garden. You, you must just drive by and see it. It's unbelievable. There's a hospitality oh, wow. welcome wagon, and this is all resident-driven. Um, a recycling committee, they are the strongest committee. They believe in saving the earth now. And um, it, it's exciting to see how you can – change if you know you focus on it it will we can change any of their seniors to recycle and there's a um, you know building committee there's a housekeeping committee activities committee where it's resident driven and this is the first of the style I've, I've worked in in my career and it is very effective that they have a voice now the individuals that require more attention 
how do you engage them in some of these activities? When anyone moves into the community, there's a social profile we encourage them to complete, which gives us some of their like. And so that, that makes it a little bit easier when we know what to invite them to. We have an activities engagement department, and they are the people who are going to encourage, invite, and assist residents coming out. And um, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to get people out. They might want to come and sit in the lobby and just watch for a while. You know, people watching is a sport. And, and so to see them... <laughs> <laughs> and, and once, and once That's they so come, true. It is. <laughs> and it's a full, you know, you're active, you're sitting there watching. It's hard with the COVID right now, but people will come out into the common areas. A building has a few common areas where they gather and just, you know, they might not take full part, but they will certainly be involved. Then we have resident assistants on our assisted living side, and they too are part of that invite, encourage, and assist to residents on those that they know you know, are interested and could be just bingo. You know, there's many activities beyond bingo, but bingo is still a steady eddy there in the interest of our residents. Do you have nurses or physicians, type of medical staff that you have there at the facility to deal with those emergency situations or to provide medicines? And We do. Our building is set up where independent living is independent living, and they go about, you know, their day and their world. Assisted living, because assisted living independent, their apartments could be side by side. It's not an area of the building you have to go to. So people can age in place and not having to move to another area. And we do um, have our nursing support 24 hours a day. We have a professional nurse in our community as well as a director of nursing and assistant director of nursing. So those who are in our assisted living program, including memory care, they fall under that scope of nurses. But even in independent, the nurse is there. They have a call bells in their apartment there, there um, as well. So if an emergency comes up, there's a nurse at the end of that bell for an independent living person, which is, you know, um, I think very calming. We have a physician that oversees um, a number of our residents, he, the industry will have a physician who's interested in looking after retirement center, and it's a choice of the resident or the family to say, yes, we'd like to be part of that. A lot of people still have the physician they've had all of their life, and they don't want to change, and that's fine. Other nurses are there, which will, you know, contact their physician and follow that physician's orders, and, and that's what they do, making sure that they're giving good, solid nursing information to their physicians should they need it. So there is a... There is a medical model, if you know, in assisted living, that side to the charts and such, but the activity part of the building is very social. So obviously we, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, so I wanted just to kind of touch to see how, how have things changed? I mean, we know things have changed, but how have things changed um, because of COVID? I'm sure you guys have put different processes and procedures in place to keep people safe, but how, I guess, it's a two-part question. How have things changed and what you guys have done? And also, how has it impacted um, people on, like, their mental health as well? Things have changed. March 13th is, is vividly, you know, marked on our calendar when the Governor DeWine's order came to close health cares and our doors closed. Um, we, visitors, families were no longer able to come into our building. Um, that started all of the restrictions. Um, our staff sign into the building. Their temperatures are taken twice a shift. It, it just made such a change in the residence, so not having any visitors. And we're not able to have visitors un until um, June. 
8th when outside visitation was opened up. And we chose to be part of that. And we were able to, you know, have outside sitting areas that were disinfected between every visitor. We were able to accommodate 30 visits a day for residents. And we never were um, told anyone we didn't have room. So I was really pleased with that. That was the biggest change, I believe, in families not seeing their families and and their friends. And it certainly, it affected them the same way I believe would affect anyone. It's just loneliness. And it's not the same to talk to someone on the phone. It's not the same. We had tablets and Facebook and Zoom that we were inviting residents to use to contact their families. But technology isn't, you know, with seniors as comfortable as it is with us, I think. And it's, it's not as requested as much as you might think. COVID, we moved our dining room. When it first closed, we closed our dining room and all of the meals were delivered as a tray service. And, and we did that for a few months until we were directed by governor's office that we're able to social distancing in our dining room. We removed half the tables, half the chairs, and measured the six-foot distancing, had two seating, so we, we would be, they would be protected six feet away. Um, and that, that seems to work. We put plexiglass between the table, the two people sitting at the table. Have activities been affected? Like, are they still able to kind of gather and, and do certain activities and things like that and socialize? They have now. When it first started, um, it, it was, we marked on the, on the lobby floors where chairs could sit six feet apart, and it, it was a group of 10 or less. And so we had smaller groups. We had all summer long, we had concerts outside because you can get a lot more when you're doing six foot distancing. Our measuring tapes were used a lot, but we would have concerts outside under the portico and it, it seemed to work and it got residents outside. Still no, no, no families were able to take part in that because the restrictions. We, it's just changed. We removed sofas out of the lobby because the, the six-foot distancing wouldn't happen, and it was just the chairs. It really made a difference. We trying to get residents down more one-on-ones, more interaction with the residents and, and activity director, getting them out. It, it made a difference. We, you know, I think the industry. You read articles about the concern of just the loneliness and the anxieties that build when someone is, you know, waiting to see their family. If you guys excuse me for a minute, we need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGIN, and WGIN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Now, what's the uh, makeup of you guys' staffing? How many full-time, part-time volunteers do you have? And also, along that line, because I was reading uh, your COVID-19 protocols about visitors, did you have to hire additional staffing in order to uh, get some of the things accomplished on your uh, COVID-19 plan? We did not have to hire any extra. The team, team of managers, the team of staff, it was it was a plan. We were going to, you know, be successful in getting the visitation policy out and how we we're going to do it. The direct does say it has to be supervised. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we were able to, from the front reception desk, be able to see the, the visitation happening and that people would maintain the six-foot distancing, keeping the masks on. And that is certainly a challenge with um, anybody. 
study. Yeah. You can see out yeah. there that we, we monitor that closely and we have to be supervised. But it is, it is a group effort and everyone has a piece of it and that's what makes it successful that we're able to do that. The inside visitation just opened up in October and we didn't have as many requests yet, but it, it, it just closed again um, just recently for us. So, But it is something that families, it, it's hard for families to come in and six foot distancing. They do bring groceries and flies into the front reception. We take them, we deliver them, we disinfect them. A resident goes out to a doctor's appointment or appointment of essential needs. And when they come back, we disinfect their walker or their wheelchair or whatever they have. We're just just trying to be methodical on um, keeping everyone safe. How did you guys feel when you start to hear with COVID that a lot of the nursing homes and senior citizen facilities were having a high rate of death? How did your group handle that and what made y'all more determined to not have that happen in your facility? Well, truly, it was more the sadness that you knew what was happening that in those other communities that are probably working just as hard as we are just to follow the restrictions and educating, you know, the families on how to follow the restrictions. And we just, we became, I think, more of the police, maybe, uh, making sure that, you know, we've cleaned this and we've followed this restriction and we've logged it and we've checked it. And so nothing was falling through the crack, but this COVID is a um, unusual um, enemy that you just never know. And everyone follows the protocols that were put forth, visitors, staff, residents, and making sure that we're, we're only going out for essential needs. And, and that's sometimes harder for some residents to understand. How do you control the individuals from going to room to room? There is much control. They, it is still a resident right. Um, we do practice, you know, that education of six foot distancing. Um, when it first started, we were very much wanting to be more educators of how we're going to do this. And so it was wash your hands, wash your hands. And there was a video that the residents made that they're in one of the common area washrooms singing happy birthday. You know, they say, <laughs> wash your hands, happy. And so they were singing that, just trying to show we are aware. We will do this. We will we will be there and, and you know, um, do everything we can to keep it out of our building. I, I don't know if you noticed or not on my act, but the, the, your facility, was it built originally? originally for seniors uh, or was it built originally for a you know, residential apartments and, and then they decided to, to, to go in that direction? Yes, it was built um, for senior condos. It was, you know, an over 62 built building um, for seniors. Um, and then when the Lutheran um, Service City group, the one was sold, they decided they would go to the next step and bring on within that building assisted living program. And the assisted living program certainly benefited from, you know, the size of the apartments and just the area of the building because it was built very grand apartments and large common areas and on a beautiful ground. And man, are these furnished apartments, are they furnished, no. or does the residents bring their, their uh, own furniture and into those uh, apartments. The residents bring their, their own furniture. They are furnished with a fridge and stove and uh, dishwasher. And we do have three respite units that we have made available to residents who wish to come just for short term. Typically, it's on, you know, if their families are going away for a vacation or they want to maybe test drive the building, those are fully furnished. And th that is a nice commodity to be able to try because you can up to, you know, minimum of 10 days to 30 days. Um, and when people come in and stay for a while, typically they will stay because the test drive went well and they, they like the, the building. They like the essence of the building and it felt like home. 
Well, I, I have a, a, a really stupid question. That, are pets allowed? They are. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah. I know this is a stupid That's question. That's very important. I <laughs> oh, no. My, every building I've had, we've allowed pets. It, it, it's so important to have your pet with you. We have a number of kitties. I think we only have a couple dogs, a couple chihuahuas, but absolutely. I don't think we have any birds anymore, but we did at one point. <laughs> Bird got loose, Ernie. Bird got loose. <laughs> Fly in the building. <laughs> so how do the pets get along? Knock on wood. Very nice. I mean, nicely. They're, they're on a leash at all times. You don't, you know, they, they'll go outside with their, their masters and take them for a walk. And again, the pet, the well-being, right? The well-being a pet brings to anybody, you, me, a senior. And so it's companionship, especially right now, you know, companionship. It really is. Do y'all have therapy dogs come in to help some of the individuals who are depressed? We do. We have a, a couple um, groups that will come in, um, not right now under COVID, but in the normal world, they come in and are very involved. In, in long-term industry, it's wonderful. There's a number of um, agencies out there that are helping out with that. It's awesome that we, we pretty much trust family members, loved ones to be in facilities, senior living facilities. I know that's a very hard decision for a lot of individuals. to. So just to know that a facility like you guys and what you offer and to make people feel comfortable, like you said, until pretty much they take their last breath, it's, it's awesome. But then, yeah. I like that stage is that it's independent, it's assistant, then it's memory. I think that's pretty good. So it's been real serious with COVID and everything like that. How do you handle Disputes. If everybody all cooped up and everything together, you, there's dispute, argument, disagreement. How do you guys handle that? <laughs> well, with patience, patience and, you know, listening. Listening is an art. And if people feel that they are um, being listened to and they have some input in how we're going to fix it or or you can show them daylight in this argument, it, it, people, I, I, there's a level of a little bit more of agitation and maybe shortness where we wouldn't have had it before. Um, mm -hmm. And we're all, it's just, I think it's just patience and listening and some good jokes, I guess. <laughs> So do y'all have like a panel? Is there like a group of people that will sit and hear disputes since it's like a community or a village? Yeah. We, what we do, we have, it's called a resident council. And the resident council is made up of a number of uh, you know residents that live there in different levels. And then there's executive resident council, and that is a group of, I believe, five of them. And they meet, and it, it's a formal meeting, and they, if you have any concerns as a, as a resident, you would go to that resident council, and they discuss it, and they bring it to us. It is. It's, a, it's a just the problem solving includes the residents and any changes. It's very much that family. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's more than just it's a business, and you're, you're the client. It's, it's a family of living together. It really is. Do you have any married couples there? We do. That's your facility? Have you had people get married since they've been there? Not since I've been there, but yes, there was. There was. We have a couple um, romances in our building. Yeah, that you know, love never goes away. It never goes away, no matter how old the youngest. You know, you, um, I think they our youngest is maybe in the late sixties, and our oldest is a hundred and one. And it's all ages. You know, one of the complaints before COVID, I used to get from the family members was, I can never get a hold of mom. She's never in her apartment. How many full-time, part-time volunteers do you, do you guys have? Oh, um, we have approximately 75 staff members. 
um, the breakdown, I want to say it's probably 70% full-time, sorry, 70% part-time, 30% full-time. Um, volunteers, we, we don't have a lot, I must say. Uh, out of the community coming in, I want to say probably less than five at any given time in our building. Lutheran Social Services runs on volunteers, but in our building, we don't. How many okay. units do you have? We have 128 Shh. units huh. and four stories. I'm, when I first started there, I was just so amazed the the, the size of the building, but the, the apartments, it's um, nicely nice, um, planned out. Nan, could you tell our listeners what your address is, uh, phone number, and website that they can go and look at your facility or reach out to you regarding your facility? Sure. It's Lutheran Social Services Kensington Place. We're at 1001 Parkview Boulevard in Columbus. Our phone number is 614-252-5276. Formal website. Well, I think it's if I if I have it correctly, it's www.lssnetworkofhope.org, and then that will take you directly to Lutheran Social Services, and then they can do a backslash for Kingsington Place. Now, are you close to Broad Street up there by the, what is that, Franklin Park? Well, yes, we're close to North Cassidy. Yeah. It's not too far down to the, the um, to Broad, though, yes. So y'all want any last-minute words that y'all like to say to Nan? Just thank you, Nan, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Any Anytime I can just talk about the senior living industry and what we do, yeah. it always makes me feel good. To Nan, that is something that we really don't ever talk about too much. And those are hard decisions to make when you're looking at placing uh, your loved one into a senior assistant living, I think it is fantastic that they offer you a test drive that you can take your parent there or your family member there, uh, either when you go on vacation or just because, I mean, if you want to check the facility out, just to see what it's about, that they do offer that test ride. I do recommend anybody to, uh, you know, reach out to Nan at 614-251-0780. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask, Nan. How do you go about staying there? Is there some government assistance or, like, is there a range that you might do based on a person's income? We are. The building is a private pay with, with a pay rate schedule. Um, but just recently, within the last year, the company has chosen to um, look into the Medicaid program for those people who have lived with us and um, run out of funds. And so the Medicaid program is something that we are have within our building. Once again, if you have any questions more about Kensington Place, please reach out to Nan. Nan, I do appreciate you coming on and talking to us about your facility. I appreciate you talking to us about COVID and what you guys are doing to prevent any of your residents from getting sick or getting it, you know, spreading within your facility. I admire the care that you take for the individuals that do stay with you. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you, Ernie. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate your time tonight. With that being said, everyone, peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. 
For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas FDN.